Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. After the service, we want to open up our Bibles tonight to the book of Genesis and chapter 39. The reading program today took us both in Acts chapter 7 and in Genesis chapter 39 to the account of the life of Joseph. And when you begin to think about Joseph, you, uh, you cannot help but understand that he was a powerful picture, a precursor to the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Rejected by his brothers, Uh, He was exalted to a place of prominence. He gained the power and the authority that that, uh, that was given to him. And he was able to help the people of God through his position. All of these are great pointers and predictors of what Jesus did for us. And, And in the scripture that we're about to read, we... Uh, we read a phrase that is repeated over and over about Joseph. And it is a phrase that, that I wish would be said about me, and I hope that you wish would be said about you. And that phrase tonight is, the Lord was with him. And I want to p- preach a message titled, the Lord was with him, and how we tonight, we can follow in his footsteps also, in the footsteps of Jesus, 
how to cultivate the presence of God in your life. How many of you want God present in your life? How many understand that without God, we're nothing? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And so if we are going to do anything of value, we need God. We need his presence and we need his life. And so um, let's read this scripture, Genesis chapter 39, beginning with verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. This is something evident that other people can see. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands, skipping down to verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. We are fast-forwarding now to after Joseph has been falsely accused and thrown into prison. But even there, the Lord was with him and showed him mercy, gave him favor. Verse 23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because... (laughs) The Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Don't you want that said about you tonight? That the Lord was with you in whatever you did? That the Lord strengthened you and made you to prosper? And let me just remind you before we pray tonight that it does not depend on your circumstances. If God exalted him and made him the ruler of Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him. And when he was thrown into the prison, when he was falsely accused, when life came against him, the Lord was with him. This is not about whether we suffer or whether we have a good time in life. This is about whether God can help us right where you are tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I'm asking, Lord, for your presence and your grace. I'm asking that you would speak to hearts tonight. God, bring revelation and understanding that I am not able to bring. God, that you are able to do miracles in the hearts of your people tonight. God, that you would help us in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. I want to speak, first of all, with you about the miracle of God's presence. Now, you have to understand the nature of God and the nature of man in order to understand what a miracle this phrase is. How many of us know tonight that God and man are different? There's a lot of ways that we are different from God. God is eternal. We are temporary. God is the creator. We are created. God is infinite. That means he is without end. We are finite. God is righteous, and we are unrighteous. God is unshakable, and we are extremely unstable. God is spiritual. He is not limited by physical time, space, or matter. And yet we are physical. We are stuck in one place at one time. God is unlimited. We are very extremely limited. God is unbreakable. You and I are broken. Can we go on tonight? God is holy, and we are sinful. God is self-existent. That means he depends on no one else to continue his existence. You are dependent on the very air that you breathe. 
And yet, because God is so different from us, that means that naturally there is a vast separation between God and man. The Bible says that we come into this world under the curse of sin. And what that means tonight is that God would be right to judge us and condemn us in our sin. That sin has been cast, passed down to us through the generations going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, you read about how it grieved the heart of God that, that the man had become so wicked and that the thoughts in his mind and in his heart were continually evil. And God said, I cannot bear the weight of their sin any longer. God says, I'm going to start over. And start over with one righteous man and all the animals. And God was right to do that. He was right to judge the world. And yet, even after Noah, the world became a wicked place again. Jesus said that when the coming of the Lord, the Son of Man, He comes again, guess what it'll be like? Like the days of Noah. When, uh, when men were uh, greatly increasing in wickedness in the last days you know the world is getting crazier you know we are seeing headlines today that if you would have read them 10 years ago you would have checked yourself into an insane asylum and yet we're seeing that every day uh in our culture in our in our world and you can't blame god for looking at a sinful world and saying whoa i can't be a part of that because he is so holy, he is so righteous, that God, he separates himself from a wicked and a sinful world. How many know that? And it's not that God wants to be separated. It is simply that God cannot fellowship. What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship has heat with cold? You cannot mix the two. God is separated and so righteous that sin is never in his presence. Are you with me tonight? And we are born into this world under the curse, broken and lost. But here's the good news. Even though God is so holy and so set apart, there is a desire in the heart of God to be close to his creation. See, you and I, there's something different about people. People are created in the very image of God. And that means we are valuable to him. And even though we have made so many mistakes and we have done things that we're ashamed of, God looks at you and he sees potential. He sees someone that even though you might be in the midst of rebellion or you might be in the midst of backsliding or you might be in the midst of secret sin and compromise, but God looks at you and he sees someone that can be redeemed. You are not a lost cause. You know how I know that? You're still breathing. There is no such thing as a lost cause until the time of death has occurred. There, that man has wants to live and then comes the judgment. Here's the good news. If you're still breathing, the judgment hasn't come yet. And so that means there's still hope for you. And God has a desire for every man, woman, boy, and girl to redeem those that are lost. He looks upon us as lost sheep having no shepherd. And God has a heart of compassion toward the lost. That is a miracle tonight. 
And so when the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph, you have to comprehend what a miracle that is because that is not the natural state of things. That is the supernatural state. That is above nature. That God would be with a fallen man like Joseph or like Adam Dragoon. But the, the, the reason that that is even possible is because God wants to be close to people that he created. He does not desire to be distant. Think of these scriptures, Genesis 3, verse 9. This is just after the sin has occurred. God said to Adam, don't touch that fruit. And what did Adam do? He went and touched it and ate it. This is exactly what, uh, what happens when you, when you see, see a giant red button and it's, the button says, do not press. What do you want to do? Press the button. That's the spirit of rebellion that's in all of us. It says, okay, who, who do you think you are to tell me what I need to do or don't do? And tonight, they did exactly what they were not supposed to do. And yet, uh, even though God would have been right to judge them and kill them in that moment, that's not what he did. Genesis 3, verse 9, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Isn't that a miracle? That God went looking for the rebellious man. Jonah 3, verse 1. Here's Jonah, a rebellious prophet, a man who is supposed to go to Nineveh. But he, uh, he got on the, the ship that going traveling the exact opposite direction because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Instead, he goes to Joppa, which is the modern-day coast of Spain. He wanted to go on a Spanish vacation. Uh, and so God had to send a storm, and God had to send a fish to change his mind. And you would think, man, that God could send anybody to go preach the good news to that broken and lost city, Nineveh. But he goes after Jonah again in Jonah 3, 1, one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That should give you some hope tonight that God's not done with you yet. Even if you have rebelled, even if you've made some bad decisions, even if you run away from God and done a few things that take you out of his will and his plan, the Lord can come to you a second time and a third time and a fourth time and some of you a 50th time and a 150th time. And the Lord will not give up on us as long as we're breathing. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord, listen, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. But he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not willing that any should perish. He is not willing that you would perish. He wants to save everybody. Isn't that a miracle? God chooses to make himself available. How is this possible? It's only by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just to explain, the short version of the gospel is that every human being has fallen short of God's purposes, God's plans, God's law. We've all broken it a hundred times, a thousand times, and so we deserve death and hell in the grave. That was a good place to say amen. Jesus, on the other hand, lived a perfect life. He was perfectly devoted, perfectly surrendered to the Holy Spirit, which means that he never broke any one of God's laws. 
when he lived his perfect life, the father looked down on the earth and he could see only one person who had completed every law perfectly. Without fail, he was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And what did he get as a result of his perfect life? He got rejected by the world and killed, crucified on a Roman cross. But more than that, when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, the penalty for your sins and mine was poured out upon Jesus. Is everybody with me so far? And what he received, he received a penalty that I deserved, that you deserved. And on that cross, what happened is an exchange, a miraculous spiritual exchange that if we will trust in what Christ did for us, then we can trade our brokenness for his perfection. That's, that's what happens at the cross. That's what happens when you trust in Jesus and turn from your sins that you can receive the righteousness of Christ because he receives the penalty of your sins. And now, uh, if you have trusted in Christ, what that means is that God, when he looks at you, he no longer sees the sinful version of you. He sees you minus your sins. That's pretty powerful. That means that even though, yes, we, uh, we, we do not sprout angel wings, uh, we, we are wearing the same clothes, we have the same hairstyle, and yet what God sees is very different in the spiritual or supernatural realm because we are born again. Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. I'm not talking about joining a church or getting religious or doing a lot of good works. All of those things come along with the ride. But this is something supernatural that nothing in this earth can do for you. When you are born again, you become a new creation in Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. You have a new life in Christ. And now when he looks at you, God is no longer angry. When God used to look at you, he used to be angry about your sins. But, to, but if you are saved, if you are right with God, if you have humbled yourself and repented, then the Bible says that you are adopted into the family of God. And he is no longer your judge. He becomes your father. And you are his child. You ought to get excited because that is a miracle. And even though we're not perfect, sometimes we fall, sometimes we make mistakes. You know, uh, if you have kids in your house, you will know that your kids will make mistakes sometimes. But that doesn't mean you kick them out the front door. That doesn't mean that you force them to change their... You're not part of this family no more. That would not be a, a lot kind or a loving father, would it? But a good father in heaven, yes, he deals with his children. He corrects his children. But you are still his child. That's good news. And this is what makes it possible tonight to be close to God. This is how Joseph was able to be said about him that God was with him. God was with him. Now you say, but wait a minute, Pastor, uh, Jesus hadn't been alive yet. That's true. And so it, uh, 
but his faith was in the same Savior, even though he didn't know his name, even though it was before his time. But because of his faith in, in God, because of his trust in his plan, he couldn't name the Savior yet, but his trust was in the same God. It was accounted to him for righteousness, the same as with Abraham. Romans 4.20, listen. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith because of his faith. Romans 4, 21, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, that's speaking about Abraham, who made a decision to believe God. What's so special about Abraham? Nothing, except that he believed the promises of God. The reason that the the Bible can say about Joseph that the Lord was with him was exactly the same reason because through faith, Joseph was accounted to him righteousness. You ever been playing Monopoly? And you get the one card that you turn over and it says, bank error in your favor, $50. That's the good card to get, right? Bank error, yeah, right, that never happens. Bank error in your favor. But what, what is that? That is, a, that is a, a calculation where money is put into an account that you didn't earn. That's what that means when it says faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Was Abraham righteous? He didn't have any of his own righteousness. But something was deposited into the account of Abraham because of his faith. Same with Joseph. This righteousness was deposited into his account. Why? Because he believed God. And this is how it's possible tonight for God to be with you. It's not because of anything that you do or you, uh, you conceive or it's not because of anything that you can conjure up in your own strength. It is simply when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ It is accounted to you. The righteousness of Christ is deposited into your life. And what do you have to pay for that? Very simple. Your pride. You give up your pride. You humble yourself. You ask for forgiveness. And the Lord deposits in your life something you didn't deserve. The righteousness of Christ. Because this is why this is important. Because it's only then... That you have this righteousness. You are clothed in the New Testament. Ephesians, it says that we are clothed with a robe of righteousness. It's not yours. It's an alien righteousness. It is the righteousness of Christ that you put on like a garment. And when you're wearing that garment, just like Joseph wore a garment, that is what makes you a candidate to having God being present with you. Isn't that amazing? That's what makes it possible for a holy God to hang out with sinful you. Because through the righteousness of Christ, you, know, you are no longer defined by your sin. Did I lose anybody yet? Do I need to go back over that one more time? Because that is powerful. It is because you have, you have given your life, your future, your trust, your sins to the Lord. And as a result, he deposits in your account something you don't deserve, the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says. And because you have now received God's righteousness in your life, that makes you a candidate that God, the righteous, the holy God, that God can hang out with you 
and you can hang out with him. It is a restoration of what Adam and Eve had in the garden. The Bible says God walked with them in the cool of the day. They hung out together. They talked. Can you imagine having fellowship with almighty creator God? That's what they did. That's what Jesus, when he came down to the earth, I love these, uh, these, uh, the chosen, these, uh, these, uh, TV programs, if you haven't seen them, go watch them. You have the same idea of a holy God coming down. His name shall be called Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. That God wants to come down out of his holy place and hang out with messy old you. In Revelation, it says that when Jesus comes back to rule this world, you know, he's going to be the king of the whole universe. You're either going to be on his side or you're going to be defeated by him. There's only two options there. And when he finally conquers this broken and lost world, removes the sin problem, the Bible says that John looks up in his revelation. You look at it, Revelation chapter 21. He says, and I saw the new heaven and the new earth, and I saw the new Jerusalem, a new city. Uh, that that is being built right now by Jesus and that city was coming down from heaven and resting where on the earth the new Jerusalem the miraculous supernatural spiritual city we're not going God is not transporting us up there he is bringing his new city to the earth it's the same concept it's Emmanuel God with us that's a miracle That's the miracle that Jesus came to perform, to make this place different so that God's presence can dwell here. Praise God. God's knocking on the door of somebody's heart, ringing the doorbell. So what happens when the Lord is with us? We get a template for that. What happened when the Lord was with Joseph? In verse 2, it said the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. I want to tell you, a lot of, uh, especially for men, a lot of our ego is wrapped up in our self-image. Do I define myself as a successful man? And it can be, it can be very discouraging when we are using the wrong measurement for what is success. How do you measure success in life? You measure it by the number that's on your bank account. If you do, you probably get very confused and very disappointed. If you measure success based only upon uh, the number that's on, when you step on the scale, I'd be very discouraged if that was my only measure of success. Is it in how fast you run a mile? Man, Russ will be doing real good. The rest of us, though, we'd be hurting. Do we measure success by how many people we have authority over? Do we measure success by how many people think our opinion is important? The true definition of success is God's presence in your life. It's not dependent, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's not dependent on your circumstance. Because when Joseph was at the top, he was successful. And even when he was thrown into the pit, he was successful there. Why? Because the Lord was with him and made him prosper in all that he did. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through right now, the Lord can cause you to be successful right there. 
You don't have to wait for a different set of circumstances. You don't have to wait to meet the perfect person. You don't have to uh, get exactly the right environment. No, you can be successful where you are according to God because he is with you. What did David say? He said, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds kind of scary. But I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, Lord. You see that? That's David's faith. Again, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And that means the Lord can be with me where I am. Emmanuel. Even in this hard time, even in this difficulty, even in this valley of the shadow of death, I can be successful because the Lord is with me. Closeness also means prosperity. Look at verse 23. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, we hear that word prosper and we think about money. But prospering or being prosperous is not only about getting more money, although that could be part of it. To prosper in the biblical way, uh, understanding, means to be profitable. It means that Joseph was the guy that everybody wanted to be there. Joseph, if you're not here, we're going to be in trouble. Because everything runs through you, buddy. I can trust this man. You are profitable to me. Even the keeper of the prison, he said, you know what? This guy knows his stuff. The Bible says about, uh, about Daniel that there was an excellent spirit in him. You know, Daniel lived in Babylon, in a foreign nation, under a foreign king, Nebuchadnezzar, with a foreign god and a foreign culture and a foreign language, and everything was foreign. But because the Lord was with Daniel... He had an excellent spirit. And whatever he did was prosperous. That means he was profitable to the world around him. No wonder that Joseph goes on to become the second in command of the greatest nation on the earth at the time. And he excelled at that job. Why? The Lord was with him. Don't you want the Lord to be with you? Listen to what Paul says in Philemon 1, verse 11. He's speaking about a runaway slave. Somebody who, uh, who used to be a, a criminal. And is speak, he's writing this letter uh, about this man who was a slave. He was broken. He was lost. And then he gave his life to Christ and became a believer in Jesus. And he's defending this man. And he says, he was once unprofitable to you. But now he is profitable to you and to me. He's writing his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's saying, listen, guys, I know this guy might have ripped you off, but now he is saved. Now he's a new creation in Christ. Now he will be profitable to you. You better welcome him back into fellowship. You better bring him home, guys, because this man, this man is now profitable. How does that happen? When Jesus is with him. 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul is uh, lamenting at some others who have gone away from him. But he says, Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful. Say the word useful. Useful to me for ministry. Paul is thinking about Mark, who wrote the gospel account. And he says, I want you to bring this man to me. Why? Because he helps me. 
He is a blessing to me. He is profitable to my ministry. I want to ask you tonight, don't you want your life to make a difference for the kingdom of God? Don't you want other people to benefit from your life? Don't you want to be able to minister to people who are lost, to brothers and sisters in Christ here in the church? Don't you want to lift others up? How do you become profitable? How do you become helpful? How do you become the hands and the feet of Jesus? Well, the Lord has to be with you. And you know, the Lord can't be with you if you're all jacked up in your sins. You've got to have the righteousness of Christ so that the Lord can be with you. Are you with me tonight? So how then, as we close, how do we cultivate the Lord's presence in your life? I chose that word on purpose, cultivate. That is an agricultural word. That is a word that is used to describe how a farmer prepares the ground for a harvest. Anybody here ever planted something? Chances are you probably didn't just go outside and drop a seed on the ground. That's not a good way to prepare for a harvest. You probably picked a spot. You thought about, okay, how much sunlight, how much shade, what is the right environment? Is this a place that gets flooded or too dry? And you said, no, not that place. No, not this place. This place. And then when you chose the place in your garden, you began to prepare that ground. You probably pulled out some weeds. You probably cleared some grass and some other, some other uh, plants that were growing there. And you probably, then you took something sharp, like a shovel or an axe. I remember in Arizona, I remember planting some roses for my grandfather one time. Uh, he, he always used to say that when God was handing out noses, that he heard that God was handing out roses, so he asked for a big red one, <laughs> which was true. He had a big old red nose. But, but he, liked, he liked planting roses, and we had some in Arizona there where, where his house was. And, you know, the problem with Arizona soil is that it's like 60% clay, and so he picked a spot. And he said, I want some roses right there. And he sent me and my brother out there. You know what we used? Not no normal shovel. We had pickaxes. And he said, boys, you go out there and loosen up that dirt. And so that's what we did. We spent a whole afternoon, and I can remember sweating. I can remember getting blisters on my hands, swinging a pickaxe. Like one of those, uh, one of those uh, 49ers, man, digging for gold because the soil was so hard. And you know what else we did? We took the hose out there. And we started, there was no plants there, just dirt, just water in the ground, just trying to soften it up. And then we take the axe. And we probably took three hours. So one of us swinging the pickaxe, the other one trying to turn it over with the shovel. That's called cultivating. And then... In that soil, you can't just drop a seed. You have to add some nutrients. You have to add some, some, uh, some good stuff, some fertilizer. You have to mix it in. And then eventually we could put the little saplings in there, and they were able to grow and to thrive. You can't just throw a little rose bush in the backyard, and it's not going to thrive. I want to tell you tonight, if we want the presence of God in our lives... If you want the Lord to be with you, you've got to do some cultivating. And can I tell you, it's not all easy. Sometimes it takes some labor. Sometimes it takes some tears. 
Sometimes it takes some humility, allowing the arrows of the Lord's conviction to penetrate your heart. Have you ever experienced that? When the Lord points at something in your life and says, ah, I need this to get out of here. Before I can grow my presence in your life, this needs to be out. And, you know, there are some things in our character and in our life that God will just, like, miraculously change. I'm so grateful for those things. When I first got saved, I immediately stopped cussing. Wow, that was a miracle. I, it was like three days before I even realized that I had gone three days without cussing. And I was like, wait a second. God did a miracle. I don't want to cuss anymore. It was an amazing miracle. But there were some other things that God didn't immediately and miraculously just remove from my life. He left them there because it is in the struggle of renewing the presence of God in my life that we grow closer to him. He had to, he had to struggle with me to develop a prayer life and Bible study habit. Like that, that was not instant. That was not immediate. I had to develop those things over time. I had, sometimes I had to use a pickaxe. You need to get this attitude out of there. This bad theology that you've believed your whole life, that needs to get out of there. This habit that you thought was part of your personality, and you just thought it was you. But God can show us things, and he, he says, you know what? I need you to get a shovel and get down to the altar and pray and soften. God will send the Holy Spirit, it's like the water, right? To soften your heart for a while. You hear a, you hear a good gospel or a worship song, and then you're like, you know, all of a sudden tears, oh, God, help me. And the Holy Spirit begins pouring out on you, softening a few things, and then you come in with a shovel, get this out of here. And what's happening is you are cultivating the presence of God in your life. I want to tell you tonight, the presence of God, the Lord being with you like he was with Joseph, is not something you can simply manufacture on your own. It's not a 12-step program. It's not a strategy that I can lay out for you on a piece of paper. It's not about your talents, your gifts, or your abilities. It's not about how much money you put in the offering. It's not about how many services you come to or how many you miss. It's not even about joining ministry or wearing a tie or impressing people with your appearance. I want you to think for a second. We're closing. Think about Judas. Judas had the perfect pastor. He was the treasurer of the church. He held the money bag. Judas heard all the same sermons. He saw all the same miracles. He was there and helped pass out the fish and the loaves when the Lord multiplied them. He was there when Jesus turned the water into wine. He was there when Jesus healed the sick. He was there at the Last Supper. When Jesus said, this is my body, take and eat. This is my blood, the new covenant. He was there. And yet, the harvest of his life was very different than the rest of those disciples. Why is that? Somewhere in the heart of Judas, the seed of the gospel did not take root. It was choked out. Let me ask, what about you? You know, there's people who can hear a message like this and, and they will say to themselves, Lord, all I want is your presence. And whatever is necessary to pull out of my life to get it, I'm willing. 
And you'll be in this service and you'll be convicted and you'll say, Lord, all I want to do is be in in your presence. All I want is for you to be with me, Lord. And you'll come to an altar seeking his presence. And, you know, the Bible says when you seek for the Lord, you will find him. And there there it's possible that somebody can be sitting right next to you and hear all the same words and hear all the same scriptures and hear all the same illustrations. And like Judas, a different harvest. How do we cultivate the presence of God? You must be born again, first of all. Then we have to work on the soil of our hearts. Jesus taught about this, Matthew 13, 23. He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word. Somebody say the word. He who hears the word, that's the seed. He understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces a hundredfold. Somebody here needs to break up some hard ground in your heart. Hosea said this, Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Did you hear that tonight? Break up the fallow ground. It is time to seek the Lord. There is such a thing tonight as the hour of visitation. I want to tell you, I want to remind you that if God is dealing with you, he does, doesn't mean that he will deal with you forever. There was a time that God dealt with the Pharaoh, and there was a time that God looked at the Pharaoh and said, his heart is going to become hard. He hardened his heart. He said, this ground is not going to be torn up. The seed is not going to penetrate that soil. And the Pharaoh paid a price for it. You'll also pay a price if you refuse to soften your heart and open your heart to God. But he's here tonight, the water of the Holy Spirit pouring out on your heart. Maybe few of the words of the Holy Spirit, like a pickaxe striking the heart tonight, would tear up some of the thorny and hard places of the soil of your life. Maybe so that the seed can sink in tonight and produce a harvest of God's presence. Don't you want to have God present? Joseph. The Lord was with him again and again. It said the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. I don't know about you. I wish, I pray that that could be said about me and could be said about you. Let's bow our heads tonight. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.